Hello, and welcome to The Real Folk Reviews. I'm Samuel, and I first saw Gateway Shuffle about 15 years ago. I'm Georgie, and I first watched this episode about two hours ago. All right, three, two, one, let's jam. Georgie, we've been living in a pandemic for over two years now. Mm, yes, I'm familiar, yes. Yeah, I imagine this episode was just the escape from that that you needed with no nothing to uh, remind you. Yeah, no, there was really nothing to remind me of, of the global crisis in, in the environment or viruses or, yes, life as we know it. Nothing like that that was really... Yeah, <laughs> to worry about at all. Oh, the, the space warriors... We're very reminiscent of some real experiences we have in this yeah world we live in that's going to the dogs as far as nature's concerned. Anyway, this has gone down a really dark track almost immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of things taking unexpected bad turns, yes. we might have thought Faye would be doing better than she is at the start of this episode. Yes, she's just floating. I, I did enjoy all of the sort of space food packets. Yeah, that were just gliding around her in in the midst of her. Yeah, um, one that just said salt. She'd even like <laughs> licked up all the salt. One of them just said freeze dried, <laughs> and one of them said emergency pack. And I was like, a pack of what though? <laughs> For any emergency, mm. whatever your emergency, this pack will solve it. But apparently not. Yeah, uh, <laughs> because we start with Faye adrift above Jupiter. And she encounters a ship and then it immediately cuts away. Yeah, we have no idea who that ship was, do we? Or or is it the ship that... I mean, I I, I couldn't tell from watching anyway. If it was no, the it's, it's the ship with the dying guy who... Oh, it's that guy. Oh, yeah. it also... Um, so I have taken to watching these episodes multiple times in advance of doing the podcast because there are little things that I don't pick up on and figure out what's happened. And it did take me the second watch of this to figure out who the guy in the ship was, that he was the spy. Yeah, because then he has the um, the vial of virus, um, which then... I mean, you know, we are skipping ahead a bit with in terms of the, the overall narrative, but it, I... Having rewatched it, it really made a lot more sense to me what was happening at the end. Because as it was, I was like, wait, did they have a virus and the other dude had a virus? Like, that's a lot of viruses in one episode. Yeah. <laughs> so it really made so much oh, more sense. Yeah, which I was yeah, like, oh, it was the spot. Okay, I got it. He stole their monkey virus. Yeah. Right. Got it. So, I also, I really enjoyed Faye talking to herself inside of the, the pod. She'd be like, so... I didn't actually open this. It opened it by itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talking to no one. Just, yeah, to reassure her, I don't know, her inner monologue, perhaps. I, I feel like she's the kind of person who has to spend a lot of time justifying where she is in the world to herself. Yes. Anyway, so Spike and Jet, we see docking at the the gate, which I've noticed strongly on this rewatch. The first four episodes all begin with extensive establishing shots of the gates, which that's not something that really happens going forwards. It's clearly something they're very keen to make sure we understand. Well, I mean, th it's interesting that you say that because I don't know if I'd be able to identify the fact that we're looking at gates in each oh, of these okay. episodes. I can tell that they are arriving somewhere, but I wouldn't have necessarily 
I don't know if I would know. <laughs> so those big circle things they yeah. fly through us. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, I don't know if I've just been head down making a note in every episode at the beginning when it's doing that or something. I don't know. That would make sense. I mean, it's not like those scenes are particularly attention grabbing. No. But. But, and, and actually, I do remember going backwards to actually the very beginning, the intro song, which I know we've discussed in previous episodes. But I am now getting that sense of when the episode starts, I'm like, oh, here it is. I like this song. Dun, 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 dun. Um, which that's, is quite... that's not how it goes, but <laughs> no, never mind. It's a bit dun, dun, dun. Isn't it? Dun, 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 dun. That's what I did. It, you did half the duns. But, yes, but I wasn't going to do all the duns because I wasn't confident enough to do all the duns. <laughs> Clearly, because you jumped on me immediately that it wasn't right. But anyway, yes. So they've arrived at this... I mean, what what is the place that they actually arrive at? It like this big be, restaurant thing. Yeah, it seems to be kind of like a fancy service station for when you've arrived at the gate, but before you actually go down to the planet. So yeah. they're at a welcome break, but space. Yeah, a space welcome break that serves uh, horrible, horrible delicacies. Yes, I, I, yes, and actually, having watched Diversion with the original language subtitles and one with in English, I did much prefer the dialogue in the english version for this in terms of my understanding of of what was happening the subtitles were rubbish compared to the english translated text just in terms of helping you follow what was going on just being way more entertaining okay yeah in what way do you mean more entertaining um so in the original when you're given the english subtitles they are saying sort of very badly explaining how this is now a delicacy because it was just something that people ate because there was nothing else. But now that there isn't food scarcity, they've done all this marketing to make it into this thing that becomes a delicacy. And in the yeah in the original version, it wasn't funny. It wasn't fun. No. Whereas in the dubbed version, the comedic back and forth between Jet and Spike was so much funnier. And Jet saying how... People just do it because it's like a status thing now. It's just because it's cool. And then Spike's like, well, definitely not going to do that then. Um, And it was just, yeah, just thought it was really way more entertaining. So, yeah, obviously this is where we meet um, Twinkle and her her space warriors. Yes, Twinkle Maria Murdoch. Twinkle, yeah, which is the most anime name, I think, possibly. (laughs) Um, Did you find her more entertaining in English or in Japanese? Actually, I noticed that most of her dialogue was really similar. There were only little bits that were different. Going on the text or on the performance? On the text. I would find it hard to comment on the intonation of the original language because it's not something that's familiar to my ear. So I struggle to pick up on emphases and stuff like that. No, fair enough. That makes sense because I'd, I mean, I'd say I find it much, I find her much funnier in the English. Right. Um, Because she's really hamming it up and going <laughs> to true. town like you know she says things later, later on like she says we are warriors of peace fighting for the laws of nature and that, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah whereas in the japanese she seems to be delivering the lines a bit more like how a normal person would deliver them right okay yeah i, w- I would find it hard to know that distinction i i would i did find her characterization really interesting i feel like that you could talk about her character a lot I, yeah, let's do that because i feel like she's the most interesting thing about the episode yeah just to clear a little bit of plot off the table she shows up she gets annoyed that morgan has ordered a sea rat 
and goes up and kills him and everyone else in the restaurant except for Jet and Spike. Who hide under a table the entire time. Yep. Despicable. I, I tell you what's even more despicable is Spike reaching up to get his glove yeah. and Jet being like, where have I seen her before? I've seen... <laughs> Like if he if he had a mobile, he'd be checking IMDb to yeah. see what else she's been. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, whilst you know this one bad dude and many many completely innocent people are just being absolutely slaughtered around them, <laughs> and yeah, and they even do like a slow um, shot of all of the dead bodies around them after the shootouts ended. To to show you just how many people have been, yeah, have been cut down. And they've been hiding under a table the entire time. And we know how capable they are of trying to stop these kind of things, maybe. Or, yeah, I was, I was, I was appalled, quite frankly, by their behaviour. Yep. They just wait until everyone's dead and then they're like, oh, chance for some money. Yeah! yeah. And, and I was, I was expecting them to be more heroic. Because I feel like in previous episodes, um, you have made arguments for them being more caring of people and all that kind of stuff and you know and you you kind of have that perspective on them of having had have watched a lot more of it all of it that you have that understanding that they aren't terrible people and i'm like really based on that episode i'm not so sure yeah this this scene they're fairly this scene they're fairly terrible but i i think the there's so this kind of feeds into there's the episode seems to be in two minds as to how seriously we're meant to take any of this because <laughs> at points it's re like the the shot of everyone just being dead and like the and even the the shot of the guns going off it's shot like a horror movie yes like there's this very sharp white and black lighting yeah and i and i was trying to figure out um you know with previous episodes there's sort of like a clear genre that they are taking yeah. on, and I was struggling to figure out what this one was. But now that you sort of said it, there are those little flashing, yeah, flashbacks, literally, of horrible things. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, create this sense of unpleasantness, I suppose. And yeah, but and yes, but Twinkle appears to be, I don't know, singing and dancing in a weird operatic fashion throughout the shootout that she has instigated. <laughs> yeah. The voice actor in the American dub goes for the comedy of her a lot more. This voice actor is Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, who we talked a bit about last time because yeah. she's the vocal director and also would have been responsible for writing a lot of the scripts in the English dub. So again, you've got her to thank for helping you make sense of what's going on in yes. this episode. Yeah, But yeah, I found with with her, there's a big difference in the seriousness in which it's played. And then also with Harrison, her son, who she threatens at this scene. Is she her son, though? Oh, yeah, no, he's they almost certainly not biologically her, mum, right? her son. Yeah, yeah, all of her cronies call her mother. Yeah, and they're all different ethnicities, so they're probably not her biological yeah, children. Yeah, I mean, that whole relationship is creepy as sugar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sugar is pretty creepy. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what else is... is mismatched about their relationship is they're all dressed like you know if you were volunteering to clean up a beach you would <laughs> whereas, probably wear you, yeah. th those uniforms whereas she's dressed like the headmistress of an edwardian finishing school for yes. vampires yes she actually she also reminded me of um in one of the later series of doctor who missy um the sort of female oh, yeah, master yeah she does she yeah. does look like her yeah yeah and and similar kind of crazy energy as well 
Yeah, but yes, she is very different to everyone around her. Really singular fashion choices. It's a very strange character design for this character as well, because mm. you you wouldn't have thought somebody who was an environmentalist would dress in such fancy clothing or apply so much makeup. But uh, then I suppose it begs the question, is she the environmentalist she claims to be or is she just looking for power? Yeah, actually, that's a good... Because I think the uniforms that the rest of them are wearing now appear to be very similar to the uniforms that are worn in like the archive photos that Jet yep. goes through a bit later. Yeah. So yeah, she could have just walked in as she was and then assimilated the group for her own power and yeah. But I think we're giving her a degree of psychological realism that she doesn't really have. She's just meant to be <laughs> this deranged, dangerous But, but it character. does live up to um, something you've said previously about how the side characters in these episodes are often the most interesting things about the episodes. Yeah, that, um, they do. They definitely dominate the episode. Or they can do if if it's a good one like this one, yeah, well, an but, interesting one. Well, like and it is it is kind of um, it's really interesting to me. Well, I mean, this is sort of we could maybe talk more about this later, um, but that these episodes are so short, but they often have really big concepts that could be so could have so much more to them. Mm. And like her character, you know, we've we've touched on a few things already about how many things you could question about how she got to where she is and who she is, that she is fascinating, but we will never meet her again. No, that's true. Or at least if we did, we wouldn't know. It would just be some random monkey. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yes. Uh. So anyway, Jet and Spike capture her and take her back to the Bebop. Yep. And Jet finally gets to Google her. Uh. <laughs> Yes. and the, the space warriors yeah. i was disappointed we didn't have an episode of oh what, what what's the show called that the the sort of reality tv oh thing. big shot yeah she have made sense on big shot yeah yeah i was disappointed not to have big shot reappear in this episode i'm hoping that it'll come back again in in future episodes uh, yeah i think it would have been a good idea because there's a lot of exposition in this episode and i think it Big Shot would have probably been a better way than well, Jet saying. But even even though there is a lot of exposition, there's still plenty of things that aren't given narration. You know, me saying how I didn't know who the spy was until I'd watched it a second time through. Yeah. Um, you're not um, you're not molly coddled with information, even though there's there is exposition. No, that's true. I think it's just there's so much information that you have to know that even just giving you the bare minimum, the exposition ends up taking a good chunk of the episode mm. but one, one thing i liked during <laughs> jet's googling was in the archive footage of the space warriors before they go evil one of them is holding up a protest sign that says sea rat is no good to eat we <laughs> like pork <laughs> i just found it hilarious that they thought that any self-respecting environmentalist would hold up a placard proclaiming their love of pork <laughs> This episode does sometimes get criticised for maybe taking the position that opposition to whale hunting is bad. And I honestly, I don't think the episode really has a moral position. No, I don't um, think it does either. Yeah, I think the only thing maybe that they're showing is the potential for radicalisation. But even then, the people who she radicalises are really ineffectual and really attached to their, air quotes, mother. Yeah. Yeah. In Actually, a very weird weird relationship but anyway <laughs> i just want to kind of deal with harrison now because his story gets interspersed very briefly 
at first she threatens him and he sounds terrified and then he gets turned into a monkey in the tube and this is another thing where the dub and the sub make a real difference between how seriously yes. you're supposed to take this yes yeah in the subtitled version yeah so he's trapped inside this tube with these other gorilla-like creatures either mm. side of him in their own tubes and yeah in the subtitled version he says something like i don't want to be turned into a monkey no not like this and then in the english dubbed version yeah it's much scarier it's much i mean that was my takeaway from it anyway did uh, you not find that i had exactly the opposite read oh, really i found it much because i was paying more attention to the performance than the the words and it, the performance in the english he just seemed like he was going oh no i don't want to become a monkey mom it, d- it didn't seem that committed <laughs> whereas in the japanese he sounds like he's you know he sounds like somebody would sound in that uh, well, impossible situation for me i mean as i've already mentioned i think the the intonations in in that language i find harder to interpret anyway but it's the word choices it p- specifically so the subtitle version does say something like i don't want to turn into a monkey yeah and then the english one he doesn't actually say that at all he doesn't reference what he's about to turn into he's just oh, there yeah, panicking yeah. and i think it's his just yeah mindless panic that i found more upsetting I I can see I can see that yeah yeah where it's like I don't want to turn into a monkey could could potentially be viewed as a bit comedic <laughs> going back to yeah chronologically where we're roughly up to even though we've jumped yeah. about they now have Twinkle on board the Bebop and they are hoping for a twenty five million bounty before they are quickly scuppered by the knowledge that that the offer of that bounty has been removed yep yeah so first you see this poor bureaucrat. <laughs> who is just having the worst day talking to the space warriors who like yep. hold all the cards who and... look and talk like surfer dudes they do it's true yeah they know they don't say that the destruction is going to be gnarly but <laughs> um <laughs> they're basically just explaining you know give her back and then we'll talk uh and he's trying to make that happen mm. and then back on the bebop spike and jet come across faye mm-hmm She's calling out to anyone that passes by, really, for help, having we, we seen at the beginning of, of the episode when someone completely ignores her. And so she's doing the same thing again. Like, oh, there's a ship close by. Let's see if they're available to help. Sends out a, a transmission and then quickly realises that she's just alerted her presence to the very people she had recently escaped from. Yeah, it's fun watching her go from sweet talking to why are you not answering to... Oh, why <laughs> um yeah and then she's immediately back on the bebop in handcuffs we don't know how, quite that transition how that occurred i'm, I'm fine with, i'm fine with that though like they hold all the cards it's not like yeah. last time where it's like it doesn't make sense they, they they'd be able to capture her very easily yeah and we learn when Faye is back on the bebop that she has managed to gamble away the entire 30 million wulongs that she made <laughs> off with at the end of the last episode which that's impressive that brings to a close the narrative of what happened to that money in Tonky Tonk Women. And I was saying about the idea of if you want to receive, you must give being a theme through that episode. That pays off here because in Honky Tonk Women, everybody is only going after the money for themselves. Everybody's constantly double-crossing each other. Right. And everyone who was after the money in that episode ends up either dead or broke. Nobody ends up getting it. And of course, as part of Faye's capture, we also have the vial in Spike and Jet's possession now. The mysterious thing that Faye got from the 
floating, dying spy. We don't know what it is at this point, or at least the characters don't know what it is. Um, but as soon as Faye's on board and Spike finds it in her pile of the, the midden of stuff from her ship, finds this thing and immediately just starts smashing it to try and get inside and find out what it is. As you go forward more and more, you'll realise this is just his MO. Right, is just smash it. Anything until... I don't understand, let's just tear into it and find out what yeah, it is. Yeah, that, that was quite funny to watch. And actually, um, having Twinkle sat there, who immediately recognises the vial. Yeah. And her sidelong glances throughout the episode are a character in itself. Yeah. It's... The, the number of times she looks round and, you know, eyes widening, eyes eyes narrowing, and, and all of the little nuances to the way she looks around her really added to the experience of the episode yeah that must that must be an animator's dream because you just have an excuse to draw every range of face from i'm really pretending like i'm not scared but actually i'm terrified to the moments where she's just so afraid that she's almost about to say something and warn them yes but they carefully don't show um spike's face when he goes huh what's this when he finds the virus and we see twinkle react but they they keep the shot below spike's face so you're never given an indication as to whether or not he understands the importance of the vial but he shoots the thing he does yeah but he shoots it in such a way that the vial itself doesn't break that's a very risky move if he even has an inkling of what's inside it he shoots the thing i don't think he knows what's in it okay all right, but then why does he plant it on her if he doesn't know what's in it? No, she pickpocketed it. No, she doesn't. Oh, then I misunderstood yeah. that little No, I th- I've, I've thought that on previous watches. But yeah, if you watch it again when they... This is jumping way, way forward. But when they go to the flashback, mm. he slips it into her pocket. And he's very consciously and deliberately looking away from her, looking sulky. I really thought it was the other way around. Nope, it's it's not. Uh, well, hmm. does he figure out what, what it is then after he's shot at it? Because we do then, not long after, have them talking about the virologist and stuff. No, that that's actually... So, yes, yeah, so he's doing that in the scene where... Jet Bob, is elsewhere looking at the screen. Well, no, he's not even elsewhere. He's in the same room. So Bob right? is explaining to... Yeah, but yeah, Spike and Jet are in the same room and Bob is explaining to Jet what's happening. So Spike can hear it, but may... Reading his actions on a purely surface level, it looks like he's not listening and is purely focused on getting into this thing. But I also know from... Again, this isn't necessarily something that you've seen so far, but he is an absolute precision crack shot. So if he had wanted to shoot the vial itself, he would have done. But equally, in the moment, it does just look like he's being crazy and reckless. And he is, he's also very reckless, so... Yeah, I feel like he has to have, at the very latest, he has to have figured it out by the time he plants it on her. When the virus is being explained, there's this very minimalistic, quiet track playing in the background. The track is called Gamelan, and it sounds like it might be being played on Gamelan, which is, it's like an Indonesian orchestra played on, like, gongs and drums and things i'm not describing it very well because i don't know very much about them but um because it's a an instrument you're not really used to hearing and be very very quiet it very much is playing up the sinister aspects of this but also this is the same point in the episode where you're actually finding out that this virus turns people into monkeys yeah and also i really liked the way they demonstrated the process of creating a virus was just with a a sort of 64-bit 
screen showing numbers going up down one side oh yeah and that was about it in terms of the the explanation of the biological complexities you see numbers yeah it's real science this yeah and that was about it oh we saw a few bar bar graphs i think as well chucked in and they're like there's the c-a-t-g gene sequences being played up the side ah, of the yeah. so they actually they were putting a fair amount of scientific looking stuff on screen <laughs> and this is kind of what i'm talking about in that whole scene seemed to be saying okay i know we're telling you that people get turned into monkeys but take it seriously this is a very serious threat it's like if you're i I don't really understand why if you want people to take this seriously you are making it such a ridiculous thing i don't know if i it really bothered me actually i don't think that i found it funny in the wrong way it doesn't bother me actually while I'm watching it. It bothers me when I think about it. Right, that it's turning people into monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> Something you might... I'm not sure how I feel about this. You might be able to help me clarify how I feel about it. For an episode about a virus that turns people into monkeys, this episode contains very little of people being turned into monkeys. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. I don't... I f- <sighs> like, would you want to see more of that to see because it's i think if you do more of that it becomes much zanier doesn't it more explicitly comic i i don't i think i would take the virus more seriously okay oh oh, oh, maybe um i don't know i'm not sure i have feelings about that because because the obvious place to do it narratively is probably at the beginning when they attack the restaurant yeah if they instead of shooting people they release the virus. I feel like that's usually the way these things work as well. When you've got some sort of threat like this in a narrative that's about to bring out a disaster, you see you deploy it in a smaller controlled space and then the threat will be it goes to a big space at the end. Yes, I do. And I, that's definitely the narrative logic you see in, in a lot of things. I would say that I didn't feel very connected to the threat of this episode. No. I didn't feel impending doom. Yeah. I don't know how to ask this without putting words in your mouth, so I guess you can just tell me no if I'm wrong. But do you think that's because, on some level, you're realising it's a virus that turns people into monkeys? That's friggin' ridiculous. No. No, I don't think I got ridiculousness from that aspect. No, and even when you're talking about how Twinkle is played much more comically in the English dubbed version than the original... I don't think I agree. I don't. I found her quite scary. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. I find her relatively scary in the Japanese, but when when she's like twirls around, yeah, like I'll make monkeys of you all. Is I, that what she's saying? Yeah. Okay. I think I think maybe I needed the subtitles on the English version as well to understand what she was because she's I, singing at that point. So well, that yeah, make yeah. I heard because the singing to me just sounded like nonsensical operatic sound. Yeah, that would be much scarier. That it was just her just <laughs> dancing in the midst of all this death. Uh, oh, hang on. No, I, I think we're talking about different scenes because that is what she's doing in the restaurant. Yeah. And she's much scarier at that point. But at the end, when they're, she does it again when they're deploying the missiles against Ganymede. Oh, I can't directly remember that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all very... Even when I watch it multiple times, I miss things. <laughs> no, it's... I'm noticing things on this watch through I've never seen before and I've seen this show more times than I've had hot dinners so 
I don't think I'd ever really clocked the the scene where the minister is receiving a phone call on the planet, which is not one that even really needs to be there all that much. No. There's, there's the shot of Ganymede. I'd never really noticed before how beautiful that shot is of Jupiter coming in and reflected in the water and, you know, those strange spidery floating cities. It, lo- it looks like the cover of like a 1960s sci-fi novel. And it's, it doesn't need to be there. And I just, I love that this show gives that much attention to detail. Yeah, the minister dude didn't really add anything to the story whatsoever. It would have been as effective if you were just on the ship watching them watch a screen. If you, Does that make sense? Like, you know, if, yeah, if you're in sort of Star Trek or something, they don't have to go down to every planet to talk, you know, or they don't have to go to the ship of the people they're talking to. They just show you a screen of them talking to the people. Oh yeah, and that's no, yeah, adequate. I see what you mean. Does that yeah. make sense? I think that's I think that's adequate, but I wonder whether because there's nobody up in the sky who actually has a stake in this, maybe having a character there who actually is going to be affected if the planet is hit. Yeah, yeah. I, he was the only person who I was who you're given any reason to worry about dying. Uh, yeah. Uh, apart from or all the being people who do die. Yes, well, that's true. Yes, yeah. but in terms of the, the the threat that we have... Wow, the look you just gave me then. What did I do? What did I do? <laughs> I was like, you, you just shot me a complete dagger. Oh, did I? Like, obviously, Samuel. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that I was doing that. I do apologise. Um, You're speaking like, like yes, Twinkle. Yes, like Twinkle. <laughs> that's a fun voice to do the fact that her name is twinkle really it takes away from the the gravitas that she holds um yes although you do have to have a certain amount of confidence to pull that off to be called twinkle, twinkle and not change it and not the name of a little kitten yes twinkle um <laughs> anyway, what are we talking about um <laughs> the fact that we don't care about the people on ganymede dying Oh, um, yeah, the minister. Um, mm. Yeah. I don't know that you're actually meant to care that much. Mm. Well, I then mean, why are we talking about it? Let's move on. Yep, fair enough. <laughs> um, so back on the ship, like you said, Spike shoots the cage. The vial flies across the room. Jet catches it and is like, we're releasing her now. And then she is handed back over to her... Her to, children. Her space... Yeah. Her, her space I, children. Her space children via a gigantic space straw yes um, which i like i really like the space straw i i enjoyed that too yes i liked watching them spiral towards each other and interconnect it was it was moving beautiful it was you know yeah loved it favorite high high point of the episode (laughs) watching a yellow straw connect with an orange straw okay all right Mm. care way more about that than if those straws get destroyed i'm (laughs) gonna be so sad one of them does because half of it comes from um, Twinkle's ship. So. But the decoy is the one that gets destroyed. Oh yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah. So the yeah the real one is just going to be filled with monkeys. Yep. So yeah, the straw is safe. The straw oh, is safe for all goodness. time. Long after the rest of the universe has collapsed, that <laughs> yeah. space straw will still be there, drifting <laughs> through hyperspace. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So yeah, once they're back on the ship, then we we get a call where. Maria kind of says, so have you aren't... Sorry, Twinkle, Twinkle Maria Murdoch. Twinkle says... You're calling her by her middle name. You're yeah. middle name basis, uh, are you? Uh, yeah. Very personal. Well... Like Queen Victoria. Victoria is her middle name. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, her first name was a German name. Alexandria. Oh. 
That's a cool name. Yeah, I that was her first name, and I she decided to Queen take Alexandria. That would be. Yeah, but she decided to take Victoria because she thought it sounded more British for her British people. Yeah. She wanted to be accepted by her. Uh, what's the, what's the word? Subjects. Thank you. Yes. Well, there we go. And um, somebody who's clearly not particularly interested in the opinions of the people <laughs> under her power, <laughs> Twinkle, <laughs> threatens the government. She's like, have you prohibited? And they're like, well, we've imposed restrictions. And she just kind of, she doesn't even say anything. She just gives a smile mm. and then cuts the call. But, but, she, but she does say, I think you're in need of punishment. Oh, which, which is yeah, what, she what she also says to Harrison at the beginning. I think this lady's got a bit of a complex. Yeah. <laughs> I Yes. I think there's there's probably a riding crop under that dress. Oof. Oh, um, yeah. That would go with the outfit. Yeah. Yeah. And she's got all those people unrelated to her she, who she's forced to call her mummy. Yes, so exactly. Yes. There's, uh, all in all, troubling. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a well-adjusted person who is no. about to uh, <laughs> try and annihilate a planet. Um <laughs> Yeah, so Twinkle decides to... Th- that's not good enough. You must prohibit all of the hunting entirely. Yeah. And, yeah, sends sends off a missile. Well, first first, there's the thing with the decoy. Oh, yeah. This, this whole scene is so beautifully put together. You have the ISSP ships chasing after the decoy, and you get kind of the dud thing of the beacons going off saying, keep our space clean. And they're like, oh, is that all they're doing? And you're all, of course you know, that's not what they're doing. That's not going to be what their plan is. And then five or six different narratives are strung together on screen at the same time. So you've got the decoy, you've got the people in the ISSP ship, you've got Bob back on the planet, you've got the minister screaming on the phone, and through it all, the only point of calm in this whole field of panic is Twinkle calmly delivering her address that she's about to launch the missiles, calmly delivering her speech. I only realised watching it and picking it apart how much is going on in in this this scene which really only goes on for about 10 seconds just giving you a sense of where everyone is in the universe and the the shockwaves that are rippling through everybody we've made it clear we have some problems with this episode but that scene is a thing of beauty and then like you said they release a missile (laughs) (laughs) yeah so the issp blow up the decoy ship as they quickly discover it is well, the, the ship blows them up, actually. It blows itself out. Oh, is that what's happening? Ah, yeah. right, 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 yeah. And then back on the Bebop, Jet and Spike are on the trail, trying to figure out quickly what's going on, having been informed by Bob that the bounty is back on. It's like, yeah. great timing. We've released her. Everything's gone to crap. And now we can, like, great. Thanks, thanks, Bob. Uh, not that it's Bob's fault. But, no. Yeah, um, but yeah, so Spike is trying to trace the signal from the broadcast that Twinkle was putting out. And they find that it's in hyperspace, not far away. Yep. And then you have an amazing Cowboy Bebop chase song yes. loads up. And in fact, it's, the Gateway Shuffle, presumably. Uh, it's it. That's not what it's called. It's called Too Good, Too Bad. But it it should be called the Gateway Shuffle. <laughs> but yeah, and it's it's very nicely timed. Like it almost. I don't know whether you got this feeling. It almost feels like you're loading a video game level because you've got the initial <laughs> kind of musical. Um, uh, freight the the first musical phrase you know the dun 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 as Spike is kind of slowly entering the gate and then as that fades out and the kind of main melody of the jazz piece kicks in that's when he enters the tube of the gate mm-hmm. ultimately that chase has to be very linear because everybody's traveling in a straight line all the time mm. 
but yeah, that music is able to make it seem far more exciting than it's actually able to look. <laughs> yes, uh. I suppose that's true, actually. Yeah, because when I watched it for the second time, I really was aware of how little happens in that chase fight thing. It's really very ineffectual on pretty much every character's side. The only thing that is, is effective is when they decide to close the gate, which has nothing to do with Jet or Spike or Faye. And, yeah. and they all attempt to destroy these missiles within hyperspace that are heading towards Ganymede about to yeah, destroy life as we know it. And each one of them just fails one after the other. And yep. then they just have to turn around and flee. They, they run, unfortunately, against the missiles being built on dramatic convenience. Yes, when they're about side. to shoot one, they split. That yes, one splits into three, and then one splits into about 300. <laughs> yeah, which you'd have thought, just do that at the start. <laughs> After Spike misses his initial two shots, we discover that Faye has escaped. But um, then we don't know how this happens, but she manages to get out of the handcuffs herself and puts the dog into the handcuffs in her place oh yeah that that isn't explained how is that's yeah yeah she gives uh, the dog a slightly menacing look the dog whimpers slightly and then next thing we know they've swapped places but we have no idea how that happened oh no yeah poor ein uh, that's that's literally ein's only appearance in this episode yeah being chained to a radiator who is supposed to be a very intelligent canine <laughs> yeah you'd have thought he would have like he wouldn't have let this happen, but, yeah. but he did. And she gets into a bidding war to save the planet, Yeah, which is which is fun. And yeah, I think you criticised Spike and Jet for their callousness at the start. I think Faye deserves her own uh, special oh, absolutely. ring in hell for, for that. <laughs> but, um, as she's setting up to take her shot, the guns on her ship cock like a shotgun. Yeah. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so Spike destroys part of the missile. But yeah, one big chunky chode of a missile comes out initially. (laughs) I don't know if I will regret that choice of words later, but I think it's quite representative of how it looks. And then that one... It hadn't occurred to me, and now I'm never going to be able to unsee it. (laughs) Um, And then that one big chunky one separates into three thinner ones that Spike manages to destroy two of. It loses some girth. It loses significant girth. And then Faye rocks up having negotiated 60% worth of the bounty and, yes, attempts to destroy the third, but quickly cannot do a single thing except turn and flee when that one remaining missile turns into lots. And um, meanwhile, Jet back on the Bebop is shouting to tell them that they're closing the gate. They're going to close the gate and keep them all in hyperspace so they can't leave. Yes, yeah. And equally important to this chase as the music is when the music cuts out because it cuts out before they're doing their final run on the trying to get out of the gate. And I, I love that choice because it's suddenly, okay, the fun part of this chase is gone. Now it's, we're just in a straight run for survival. Mm. And also it brings home the fact there's absolutely nothing they can do. You know, once they're going in a straight line, all they can do is press the accelerator as hard as they can and hope. Uh, yep. But fortunately for us, they're protected by plot armor. So <laughs> yes, absolutely. they get through <laughs> fine. But not everybody gets out of there fine. No, the space warriors are trapped within hyperspace. The gate closes on them and they are stuck in there. And uh, Twinkle's cronies, Twinkle's children are panicking and she has a fantastic shot of her bemused, cynical smile twitching on her face. 
shortly before calamity is about to ensue and i loved that shot of her yeah yeah and we have that flashback where she realizes which i now know spike put into her pocket yes it's it's several shots it kind of cuts back to her more and more you know just when you think this is the most extreme way a face can be drawn nope no it's not (laughs) (laughs) and then beautifully you see the vial smash and you don't see anything after that it's just left to your imagination yeah and it smashes and even even before it's actually finished smashing and the shot cuts away you you get jet spike and Faye back on the ship yeah having a relaxing cool down uh <laughs> having oh. failed throughout the day to get any anything yeah anything at all <laughs> you've heard that thing about how indiana jones is irrelevant to the plot of raiders of the lost ark yes right? they're irrelevant to the plot of this episode they absolutely are <laughs> they absolutely are completely irrelevant it wouldn't have changed a thing because <laughs> this is this is far and away the highest stakes story in cowboy bebop both before and after this there's, oh, never, really? there's never any other episode oh, oh wow actually no the movie has comparable stakes but the rest of the show's there's never like a, a planet ending threat so, or anything. So the like fact that, that I didn't care about the planet ending. <laughs> well, I, I really don't think you're supposed to because I think it's. Oh, yeah, but that's what I mean is that if you're saying this is the one with the highest stakes, but it's, the stakes actually don't mean anything whatsoever. It's the one with the highest literal stakes. There are many, many episodes with far more emotional stakes than this. I mean, we've already seen some. Frankly, we cared more whether Iron died than yes, absolutely. about anyone on Ganymede. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, actually, oh, sorry, this is a complete tangent, but I was listening to a podcast series on BBC Sounds called The Anatomy of Kindness. Have you heard of this? Uh, I haven't, no. no they've only had a few episodes of it so far, but it's taking... So they did a massive, the biggest study of its kind so far into kindness and about 60,000 people took part in it across the UK and across the world. And so this series is just kind of talking about kindness in general off the back of some of the findings of this really big study and looking at other studies. And one of the things that these other studies that they were looking at into kindness was showing that we, we have a lot more empathy, we care a lot more about the creatures we perceive to be more vulnerable than us. So we genuinely do care way more about seeing a dog die than we do about seeing someone who's on a comparable level to our own. And I think that's yeah. really interesting that that we actually have more concern for the weaker beings around us, even though there is this perception that we're kinder to the people who are more similar to us. It's actually not not true. Anyway, that's that's a massive tangent, but I just think it's really interesting. No, it's, and it's nice listening to a podcast that's genuinely about kindness, about people being nice. <laughs> yeah. So I would recommend it. But only after you've finished listening to us. Uh, yeah, yeah, you do have to. So it's actually, it's it's part of a package. If you listen to the end, <laughs> then we will give you a voucher code to go and listen to this free BBC podcast. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, you have to listen to the podcast of hate. that's that's the alternative (laughs) um we control the internet if you leave us now that's what will happen anyway point is um (laughs) i'm not sure what the point was no yeah Uh, we don't care about the people on ganymede no um and yeah yeah the big stakes in this episode come to nothing whatsoever in terms of our emotional investment it actually means the episode teases us with the idea that our heroes are about to become you know actual heroes like they're about to have actual universe shaking consequence and at the end it's just like nah (laughs) nothing they did mattered they're still the same you know screw-ups who haven't managed to achieve 
cash in a single bounty in four episodes. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Faye seems to attach herself to our dynamic duo to become a trio, much to Spike's chagrin at the end of the episode. <laughs> and he immediately goes whining to Jet Black Space Dad. Yes. Dad, she's using our stuff. Make her stop using our stuff. Just goes, I have no opinion. Uh, Yes, actually, and that was a bit that, again, the subtitled version versus the dubbed version. I much preferred the dubbed version of that moment of Jet's response to Spike's whining. Yeah, there is is a bit more character to it. It's, yeah. Yeah. I know and I have no opinion. Or that's, he says something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's he? A, I don't know and I have no opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. And he says that two or three times even. Um, whereas in the subtitled version, it's more just like, I don't know. Yeah, he says, he says don't ask me, just don't. Actually, I think, oh, it, yeah. I think it changes both the wording and the tone, changes the reading on how he feels about this because mm, it seems, yeah, I'd I say in the English, it seems like he genuinely doesn't care. Yep. Whereas in the Japanese, it seems like he is almost as annoyed about this as Spike, but is has just decided not to do anything. Yes, I would agree with that. Because I was wondering if that's to do with a translatory issue, though. And I would, and I think that's sort of a global question I have about this thing, is that how often is it, if we're doing a direct translation of, of words, that it comes out in a way that's not representative of the meaning as well, as, if, as the rewritten script that gets the essence of meaning across in a way that's more understandable to an English audience. Does that make sense? Yes, even if it's not necessarily... Word for word accurate. Well, even if it's not necessarily the same meaning, you know, just because it's a different meaning doesn't mean it's a bad one, Mm. necessarily. Yeah, and then Spike rightly, uh, well, apparently seems to get shot. (laughs) That's what we hear. Yeah, Spike's dead. Yeah, yeah, when, um, so Faye sort of jauntily leaves the room to go and have a shower and then Spike's whining about the fact that she's using our stuff, she's using our shower. Yeah, I'll go and tell her to stop or something, I guess. And then we hear the sounds of gunfire. Yep. And uh <laughs> That's a very that's a big response. <laughs> yeah, no, it's <laughs> which Jet is in no way surprised by. <laughs> to be fair, he he is walking in on her in the shower. Like, oh that's, yeah, yeah. That's, but that's, but it's... gunfire. Yeah, I, I admit it's extreme, and also implies you take the gun to the shower. <laughs> yeah, with you, well, is... she's she's a she's a wily woman, you know. Oh, no, she's been through a lot. I absolutely believe she would do that. Oh, I yeah. just thought it was worth mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> also, handling the trigger with slippery, you know, wet hands—that that's that's a skill in itself, isn't it? Yep, yep. Uh, and she kept the powder dry, clearly. Yes. Um, uh, Assuming the that powder, guns assuming in it's like a, a 19th century flintlock. Or, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, anyway, yeah. So that's that's the end of the episode. Yeah, I do have one other little jet black space dad thing. Right at the beginning, when he puts on these sort of spy goggles to look at Morgan, the, yeah. the original bounty. And I don't know if you noticed this. Or, I mean, you, I'm hoping you have if you've watched it as many, you know, way more times than me. But his glasses have a chain attached around his neck. I didn't notice that. And that makes me really happy. <laughs> I didn't notice that. And that makes me really happy too. Yeah, but he's just, he's put, yeah, he puts on these glasses. And I think just before that, we do see him using i think he's wiping the glasses with a napkin but you don't quite see that you see he's using a napkin to wipe on something but i think he's he's just taking a minute to wipe his space goggles and you know that are dangling around his neck and then delicately puts them on um 
yes, to, in order to, to spy on their bounty. But it was just the fact that he has a chain around the glasses that really got to me. If only he had a bum bag as well. <laughs> that, would, uh, that would make it even better. Yeah, I mean, I could do my traditional bits of feminist rant, but I feel like we don't necessarily need those. <laughs> no. What? So were you going to talk about Faye's outfit or? All I was going to do was do my a little mini list of things that I could gripe on if I wanted to, but we don't need to delve into them. So yeah, so we've got the, the slow pan up of Faye's body, which we have had in previous episodes as well. The naked magazines and naked pictures in Bob, the corrupt police officer's uh, office. And the little love hearts that appear above the ladies around the table um, with Morgan, the bounty oh, right at the beginning. Yeah. yeah, when when Jet Black Space Dad puts on his goggles and looks over at the table. The first thing that happens when, when he focuses on the table where their, their initial bounty is sat, who is about to get shot, uh, is he's surrounded by these four other young women. And when he's looking through his goggles, these little heart symbols appear above their heads like in The Sims. Um, to indicate that they are presumably attracted to this this guy, and it was it was just really just really random to have that little bit of. I did. I didn't read them as that. I I just read them as that being like I've identified a person. I've identified a person because they look they look more like arrows to me. But I oh, I really thought they were little pink love hearts. They could be little pink love hearts. I'm because they know, were just over the women's heads. You I only think. see them for half a second. Yeah, but anyway, that that yeah. Oh, no, th- we can maybe we should make that a part of every episode. It's just here's my little list of feminist gripes. We don't need to discuss. Just quickly, just here they are, off, yeah. and then we'll and then we'll move on. Yeah. Um, I do like though that well, it's. This is an expecting credit for being basically a decent thing, but thank heaven they don't show Faye in the shower <laughs> when the narrative absolutely doesn't need it and the camera doesn't show it. So, you know. Yeah, I would say that they're actually quite good at not showing things that don't need to be seen quite often. Like the fact that we don't see um, Twinkle and her sons turn into monkeys. We don't need to see it, actually. We're just, we're told, we are clearly aware of what's happening of what's about to happen, but we don't need to see it. And I think they do that quite a lot in other episodes as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. They're very yeah, good it's... at not having to show you everything in the same way that I struggle to keep up sometimes on things that I missed, the fact that the spy was the spy, you know? You're not patronised by the amount of information you're given, by the amount of things you're shown, actually. Mm. Yeah. Are you ready to rank now? I am, or... yes. Okay. To recap, yep. so far, you have Stray Dog Strut at number one. Yep. Asteroid Blues at number two yep. and Honky Tonk Women at number three. Yeah, so I would put Gateway Shuffle in third position, I think. So pushing Honky Tonk Women down to fourth. I'm going to do exactly the same. Except you have the first two the other way around. <laughs> yes, yeah, I do. That's true. But uh, I think these are both clearly the weakest two of the episodes we've seen so far. The plot construction doesn't hang together particularly well in either of them. Mm, yeah, I-, I, I kind of want to thinking about how to rank these things because i find myself wanting to rank specific aspects of the episodes rather Mm. than the episodes overall so with stray dog strut i found it way more entertaining and i did love the sort of scooby-doo style of the way things were put together um but i do think that the complexity of the characters and everything is more interesting with asteroid blues um so it's kind of like trying to like think which of these things is actually more valuable to me as a viewer in each episode. So with this episode, I just really enjoyed Twinkle's character, mostly. Hmm. She was the most interesting thing to me about the whole whole episode. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. To be honest, the main reason I'm putting this above Honky Tonk Women is that it has Twinkle. Yeah. And Honky Tonk Women has Gordon. So for all that, there's a fair <laughs> amount that's a bit of an issue in both of them. And that there's stuff I like in both of them. That one thing just tips it well over the edge. Mm, yeah. 
So the only thing left to do is the preview. Yes. What did you think? What the hell? (laughs) There's a lot happening. Yeah, I mean, so it seems as though we're actually going to get a bit more of Spike's backstory, so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, and but then, yeah, seeing all these bits cut together into the preview, it was really hard to follow what was a flashback and what was more present because it looked like there were bits of Faye in there um, as well. As which, well as who or uh, what? Well, as well, uh, as, well as <laughs> yes, I, I mean, I don't bloody know, mate. Yeah, uh, uh, well, there was a blonde lady, but I'm pretty sure we don't care so much about the blonde lady. But there was another lady with dark hair, who I'm guessing is his ex of some kind, based on the little bits that I saw in there. I don't know, it's really hard to say. I loved the narration over the top. I mean, lots of metaphors, lots of playing around there, talking about an onion skin, unpeeling, there's layers within layers. I'm dreaming, I'm always dreaming, and there's a music box in my hand, but then it's really in my hand. And is it there or is it not there? No idea. (laughs) What's what any of it's about, no. yeah. It's, so p- particularly the thing about dreaming, put a pin yes. in that because that's uh, this is. I think this is the first time we hear Spike talking about that, but that's definitely something that uh, is a theme going forward. Okay. I probably shouldn't have said that, but anyway, <gasps> you've ruined it. I've ruined it absolutely. But anyway, I find it a really arresting preview because it's so unusual hearing Spike be this earnest for this long. Yeah, even you know the previews are only what fifteen seconds, but. Just hearing him give this sustained speech where he's talking so earnestly about, you know, his mental state. It's, mm-hmm. he's never like this. But anyway, that's, there's probably not much, as with ever with the previews, there's not much more I can say without giving stuff away. Other than, um, in the English version of the preview, Steve Bloom uh, fluffs the name of the next episode. It's Ballad of Fallen Angels. He says Ballad 4. <gasps> I know. Uh, I and the three other people who care about this are disgusted. (laughs) (laughs) So there's uh, nothing left to say unless is there anything left to say? I don't think there's anything left to say, Sam. All right, then. Uh, See you, space chimps. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at realfolkreviews at gmail.com, look up our Facebook page, or find us on Reddit at u slash therealfolkreviews. Thanks for listening.